Well, hello there. Good evening and welcome to that Hunt Guy podcast. Your home of hauntings, true crime, maybe the odd cult and well... Anything else on that spooky side of life? My name is Mark and I'll be your disembodied voice of a host this evening. In a wooden case, sat below three crosses, behind a pane of glass with a sign that reads WARNING POSITIVELY DO NOT OPEN sits a doll. This doll is probably one of the most famous and definitely the most haunted in the world. This doll so cursed indeed that it is regularly blessed by a priest. The case it is held in is inscribed with the Lord's Prayer and the very stain of the wooden case is laced with holy water. Upon the door sits a devil tarot card as an indication that of all the haunted artefacts in this room, this is the most evil. Yes, this flame-haired Raggedy Ann doll looks like the toy of a child, but in reality it is said to harbour a dark and evil entity. One so wicked in fact, it is even believed to be responsible for the death of a young man. This doll is one of the many haunted items kept in the Paranormal Museum of the Paranormal Investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, and this is the fable of the infamous, world-known Annabelle doll. Now, of course, Annabelle was known in the paranormal circles for years, as Ed and Lorraine Warren were probably the two most famous paranormal investigators to have lived. And when movies such as The Conjuring Universe were made, Annabelle shot to worldwide attention, even getting her own spin-off movies. What happens in these movies, however, my dear listeners? I've wrote dead listeners there, I should start calling you all that. Yes, what happens in those movies, however, is Hollywood putting their own spin on this tale. And it doesn't quite resemble what truly happened. So I invite you, please, sit back, relax, and spiral in with me as we explore the true story of Annabelle the Haunted Doll. Now, as I just said, Annabelle is in fact a Raggedy Ann doll, and not at all like the porcelain one we see in the movies. And I'll try and get a picture of her on Instagram if you've somehow managed to miss what she truly looks like. Annabelle's origins can be traced back to 1970, when a woman named Donna received her as a gift from her mother for her 28th birthday. Donna was a university student at the time, and she was living with her roommate called Angie, At first they didn't think anything of the doll, other than it was, well, a doll. Over time, however, they began to notice more and more peculiar things about Annabelle. This started with the doll appearing to move on its own. At first this was subtle, with just what appeared to be small changes in position. And at the time, Donna and Angie claimed to have barely noticed these changes, as they could be easily explained as the doll being knocked or jostled. Over time, however, the doll's movements grew. The two girls claimed that the first time they truly noticed it was when Donna jokingly brought Annabelle to the breakfast table. This is when they witnessed Annabelle raise her arms that were down by her sides and place them on the table in front of them. 
The two girls were obviously shaken from witnessing this and kept a close eye on the doll from that point on. Not that what happened after this could have been hard to miss, let me tell you. Within weeks, it appeared that Annabelle was essentially fully mobile, and although the girls never witnessed her physically moving, they would certainly notice her change in positions. You see, the girls on multiple occasions would leave their apartment, noting the position that Annabelle was in on Donna's bed before they left. However, when they returned home, they would find her sitting on the couch. Now, the two girls had a friend named Lou, and he was very vocal about his feelings towards the doll, telling them he thought something was deeply, deeply wrong with it. Something... evil. The two girls, however, simply brushed off his words, saying there must have been some form of explanation, and sometimes even tried to blame Lou, saying that he was deliberately trying to creep them out by moving the doll when they weren't there, and then making claims of hating it, just to scare them. The girls began to further believe that Lou was responsible when they would find pieces of parchment paper around the house, a type of paper that neither of the girls owned, and the messages upon them said things such as help us or help Lou. And this led to some arguments with Lou and the girls, and the girls would almost beg him to stop as they were now genuinely getting scared of the doll. Although let us remind ourselves listeners, if you've listened to my episode of Different Types of Hauntings, an evil spirit or demons are said to materialise physical objects. Just something interesting to note. These happenings all came to a head one night when Donna returned home after being out with Lou. When she did, she found Annabelle in the bed where she had left her. However, Annabelle's hands were covered in what appeared to be blood. Now this blood, or whatever red liquid resembling blood, actually appeared to be coming from the doll's body itself. As Donna had been out with Lou that day, as well as Angie being at university and not in the apartment, they finally decided that something paranormal may be happening with the Raggedy Ann doll, and Donna came to the conclusion that they had to bring in a psychic medium. A few evenings later, and after some research, Donna had found what she believed to be a reputable psychic to come and sit with the doll and see what she could pick up from it. The medium arrived and lit various candles around the room. She then took her place at a table with Donna and Angie, and the doll was placed in the middle with them sitting around it. The medium then began the seance. During the seance, the psychic picked up on the energy of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins. And this is the moment where the Raggedy Ann doll claimed its infamous name. The medium went on to say that the young girl Annabelle told her that many, many years before the apartment complex was built, a body had been found on the land that it now occupied. It was Annabelle's body. Annabelle then told the medium that her spirit had remained in this place for many years, 
And when the doll came into the apartment, she felt that Donna and Angie loved it and she felt this energy for it. It was then that she decided to latch herself onto the doll. She claimed that she felt safe with the two girls and that she only wanted to be near them. When Donna heard this, she felt awful for the spirit of the supposed Annabelle Higgins and then gave it permission that Annabelle could reside within the doll. This is a decision that her and Angie would live to regret. Now Lou, as I mentioned earlier, was always vocal of his weariness of Annabelle, and he was not so accepting when the girls told him what the psychic had picked up. He told them that he thought inviting the spirit to remain in the doll was a terrible idea, and that they should get rid of it as quickly as possible. The girls, however, being the nurturing types, they were both nursing students after all, dismissed this, as they believed that they now had the responsibility of caring for Annabelle. A few evenings later, Lou began to have not just dreams, but night terrors, where he would be completely paralysed, and when he looked down at his legs, there he saw the doll Annabelle, who began to slowly crawl up his body towards his chest. There it would then begin to strangle him. He also claimed that it did not feel like the stuffed hands of a doll around his neck, but something more bony and skin-like. The first time it happened, he put it down to sleep paralysis. However, it began to happen so regularly where he would eventually wake up terrified, with his head pounding as if the blood had been cut off from his brain and he truly started to worry for the two girls' safety. After all, if the doll could affect him in this way, what could it do to Donna and Angie who lived with it and accepted it into the doll? A few days after this, and after he'd informed the girls, who simply put it down to nightmares because of his distaste for the Raggedy Ann doll, Lou and Angie were planning a road trip while Donna was out of the house. Suddenly, they heard a loud rustling noise, as if someone was moving around in Donna's room. At this point they froze, thinking someone could have broken into the apartment, but they decided to go and investigate. When they finally plucked up the courage to throw open the room door, they found no evidence of anyone being in the room. However, Annabelle appeared to have been tossed onto the floor. Tepidly, Lou slowly approached the doll, when he suddenly felt a sensation on the back of his neck. Imagine, the feeling you get when you feel like someone is watching you, but intensified to the point where it physically burned. When Lou spun around out of blind fear, he felt a sudden sharp pain on his chest and doubled over in pain, clutching his now blood-soaked shirt. He ripped it off and looked down, and what he saw was disturbing, to say the least. He saw three claw marks raking down his torso in rough cuts, with the edges of the wounds appearing to have burned his flesh. Some even say that this resembles the mark of the beast. He knew immediately that Annabelle was the one who had caused this. However, 
No sooner had Lou noticed these claw marks than they began to heal, and all signs that these marks had ever even existed were gone within just two days. When Donna returned later that day and heard about this incident, seeing only scars on Lou's chest at this point, she decided that they needed help. She turned to an episode. <laughs> she turned to an Episcopalian priest. I have no idea if I said that right. Sorry, little priest man. And this priest, in turn, contacted the now famous paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. When the Warrens arrived at the apartment and spoke with Donna, Angie and Lou, they almost immediately came to the conclusion that it was not the spirit of a little girl possessing the doll. With everything that had happened, they told the three involved that they believed that an inhumane spirit, a demon, was manipulating the doll due to the malevolent acts that had been experienced. The Warrens went on to explain that a demon cannot possess inanimate objects, but they can possess people. And this is what they believed the demon was attempting to do. It was using the doll as a conduit to gain the trust of Donna, but its real intentions were to find a human host. And the Warrens then informed the group that its target was Donna's soul. If that wasn't already bad enough, listeners, the Warrens then said that the demon was only a few weeks short of achieving this insidious intent. And it was not just Donna who was in danger of dying, but all three of them were. They stated that, as so much time had passed where they were in the presence of Annabelle, and with the nervous and terrifying feelings the dolls created in the three, the demon had formed an attachment to each of them. After this terrifying consultation with Donna, Angie and Lou, the Warrens found a priest who was willing to perform an exorcist blessing on the apartment, while Ed and Lorraine took possession of the Annabelle doll. Now, Lorraine was known to have psychic abilities, and before they left with Annabelle on the back of their car, she told Ed not to take any highways as she believed the doll was going to try and stop them taking her away from the home, and that if they were to drive at speed, it would result in both of them dying in some form of road accident. Ed, of course trusting Lorraine's premonition, decided to take the back roads instead, and as it turns out, Lorraine's forewarning was correct, and the Warrens claimed that as they drove back to their home, the car started to act faulty. The engine and lights would cut out, the car would swerve over the road of its own accord, and the brakes would keep seizing up or fail altogether. All of which led to a few near misses, even while driving slow on the back roads. Finally, Ed decided that they had to do something if they were to make it home alive, and he sprinkled holy water on the doll, which did, temporarily, stop its paranormal disturbances. When the Warrens finally arrived home, whatever effect the holy water had on the doll soon wore off. 
Ed left the doll sitting on a chair beside his desk, and later that same evening he walked into his office, only to find Annabelle levitating out of the chair and looking directly at him. Over the next few weeks, the Warren allowed Annabelle to fester her paranormal properties, and they witnessed similar things to Donna and Angie, such as Annabelle moving throughout their house, and particularly Lorraine having horrendous nightmares of the doll trying to kill her in her sleep. They realised that over time, these happenings were becoming more and more regular, and they believed that the demon controlling Annabelle was growing both in strength and power. They decided that the best option would be to call in a Catholic priest to exorcise the doll and rid it entirely of this entity. With this decision, they called on the help of one Father Jason Bradford, an experienced exorcist from the church. When Father Bradford arrived and saw the doll, he made the mistake of picking her up and mocking her. He grabbed her from Ed's office chair and looked her in the eye and stated, You're just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anyone. Before tossing her back down on the chair. After this interaction with the doll, Lorraine warned the priest to be extremely cautious when driving home, and she also asked that he call them when he got home. He agreed and left. Three hours then passed before the Warrens finally got that call from Father Bradford. He informed them that on his way home his brakes had failed at a busy intersection and that his car was wrecked beyond repair. Although he was injured, he did survive this ordeal. And he told the Warrens that just before the crash he had looked in his rearview mirror and he had saw Annabelle looking back at him. Although, it wasn't the face of the Raggedy Ann doll. It was twisted. Demonic, even. On another occasion, a homicide detective was at the Warrens' house consulting with them on a case of a girl that had been murdered in their area. While he was there, he asked Ed and Lorraine if he could see some of their haunted artefacts just out of his own curiosity. When they showed him Annabelle, and he looked into the eyes of the doll, he suddenly felt a wave of mesmerisation. Is that a word? We're going with it. A wave of mesmerisation wash over him. He told Ed that he couldn't take his eyes off her, and felt almost as if the doll was drawing him in. And at this point, Ed had to leave the room to take a call and he left the detective alone in the presence of Annabelle. After a few minutes had passed, the detective came running through to where Ed was, out of breath and shaking. Ed offered to call an ambulance as the man looked suddenly sunken and ill, but the detective stopped him, telling him that he was okay and he didn't want to talk about it, before swiftly leaving the Warrens home. Ed knew exactly what had happened, however. He knew that the detective had picked up Annabelle and felt just a hint of the negative energy from the demon controlling her. A few weeks later, Ed and Lorraine found out that the detective was so scared by whatever he had experienced, he had quit his job at the police department 
and no one had heard from him since. As it turns out, he was still alive, but it became a recluse, refusing to even leave his own home. This is when they decided to place Annabelle into the protective case that I described at the start of this episode. The Warrens then, although knowing the power that Annabelle possessed, placed her into their haunted museum. This decision, however, was not for people to come and gawk at Annabelle in the hopes of experiencing something paranormal. No. This decision was so that the Warrens could warn anyone interested in the occult of its dangers and what could happen if you mess with such dark entities. From this time on, the popularity of the haunted doll only grew, and although we know it was not the spirit of a little girl possessing this doll now, the name Annabelle stuck, and people came from all over to get a glimpse of her. Even inside this protective case, Annabelle still had the power to cause harm. You see, the car crash the priest was involved in was not the only accident Annabelle is said to have caused. On one fateful evening, Ed was taking a tour around the museum when one visitor, after hearing of the doll's past and scoffing at Ed's warnings, approached the case that held Annabelle and began to bang on the glass, taunting the doll. He demanded that she show him that she was haunted by scratching him like she had done to Lou years before. Ed, enraged by the disrespect and scared for the boy's life, as well as the safety of the rest of the group, told the boy that he had to leave the museum immediately, which him and his girlfriend did too. After this, however, the boy called out to the doll on his way out the door and challenged her to do her worst. Now, Lorraine has come out after this incident and says that she has spoken to the girlfriend of the boy since. And what this girl told her is unsettling. The girlfriend had told Lorraine that while riding home they were both laughing about the doll when the boy suddenly lost control of his bike. This caused him to crash into a tree, throwing the girlfriend from the bike and fatally injuring the boy. His girlfriend did survive, but she was severely injured and she needed hospitalisation for over a year. Lorraine also says that she believes it was the doll who allowed the girl to live, so as she could tell others of the powers it possessed. Other visitors to the museum have reported Annabelle moving around in her protective case, with one group reportedly taking a picture of her before moving on to other items in the museum. They said that when they returned, Annabelle had moved positions from the one in the picture they took and other groups have reported that in pictures they can see another set of eyes, much more realistic looking behind Annabelle's doll eyes, looking at the person taking the pictures. And others yet have described feeling overwhelmed in the presence of Annabelle. They claim that they felt hostility coming from the doll and engulfing hatred, and they felt that their lives were in immediate danger. All this happening before Ed had told them about what powers the doll possessed. 
Unfortunately, Ed and Lorraine Warren have now passed away. And the museum in recent years has faced issues and is at the present time closed. Annabelle is also not currently in her protective case as the Warren's son-in-law, who is now responsible for the haunted items, has witnessed people trying to break into Ed and Lorraine's former home where the museum is attached. He feared that someone would try to steal the cursed doll and that he could not allow that evil to be unleashed back into the world. Now he carries Annabelle with him in a protected travel case so he can keep his eye on the doll at all times. In his words, he said that if anyone was to take the doll, it is not a commodity. It is evil and it hates. It would destroy the lives of anyone foolish enough to take it. And therefore he feels personally responsible for ensuring Annabelle stays safely locked away. The question does remain, however, that if the museum is closed, why does the demon stay within the Annabelle doll? Well, there is a theory out there that the demon stays with Annabelle as it feeds off the fear created by the doll. Think about it, listeners. There have been thousands of visitors that stand in fear simply because of its presence. There have been multiple horror movies inspired by its malevolent actions. Could it be that the demon is simply feeding off the fear? Growing in strength? And biding its time? Until one day it can leave the doll and inhibit a human host? Bear that in mind the next time someone suggests watching one of our horror movies. I personally hope the museum one day does open again as I would like to go and respectfully meet Annabelle as well as see many of the other haunted items in the museum and I'm sure some of which we will discuss in future episodes of this podcast. With that however, my dear listeners, this is where we will leave the current tale of Annabelle the Haunted Doll. I do hope you have enjoyed your time with me this evening. I of course have been Mark or That Haunt Guy. You can feel free to follow me here on this podcast for any future episodes and over on Instagram at That Haunt Guy, all one word. But apart from that, please have a wonderful evening full of supernatural curiosity. Watch out for that entity behind you. And as always, stay spooky. <laughs>